Welcome to the Fantasy Fam Football Podcast. I'm your host, Chris, coming at you from Rain Man Studios here in Northern Jersey with my brother's friend and cousin Kyle. Yes, you heard me correctly, Rain Man. I actually have kind of ridiculous story about how I came into a Sean Kemp autograph poster when I was much younger. Obviously, oh, man. You, know, you know how much I loved Sean Kemp when we were growing up. That's all you talked about. So, <laughs> great role model. What a fantastic so, role model. He had so many, so many children. He was so a great many. father figure. And this is an example <laughs> of, of how good he was to the kids back in the day. Um, you probably know how this is going to go. But I went to a game, Nets game, and had a friend Nets. who's a PR agent for the Supersonics. Think about this. I'm a kid. He's, I'm, the, I'm the biggest fan. So I'm literally at Meadowlands Arena, formerly Brendan Byrne. It's me, my aunt, a security guard waiting in an empty arena. Nice. A, PR, a PR lady comes out and says, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to meet Sean because he's, he's deeply upset that they lost and, and he's taking it, taking it too hard on himself. So never got to meet him. But the next day I ended up with this ridiculous to Christopher. So it's not worth anything. Not that it would be anyway, but personalized autographs aren't worth anything. Sean Kemp. To you it is. To you it's worth something. And another person named Christopher. That likes Sean Kemp. <laughs> <laughs> That is true. It's <laughs> priceless, or I can gift it to a cousin, a friend with, with the same name. There you That's, go. That is absolutely correct. Um, my, my favorite autograph of mine, my favorite story, is I was probably eight or nine years old, um, and I used to take roller skating lessons because I played roller hockey, and I sucked miserably. I was absolutely You? Terrible. I was terrible. <laughs> I was scared of my own shadow, so whatever. Um, so I, 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 took, I, took, I took skating lessons, and um, that, that week or that weekend, um, Patrick Eliash, Scott Niedermeyer, and uh, Peter Sikora, I believe, or Jason Arnott, one of them. Ooh, some devils. Uh, yeah, they were all at the uh, at the rink. I got some tingling going on right now. Yeah, that is... so they were all there. And I had skating <laughs> lessons the hour before they were set to sign autographs. So I had the, the, the right off the bat, I was the first person going to be able to get in line. And you didn't even know this. Super excited. No, super excited. I knew that they were going to be there, but I didn't know I was going to be first. So I was unbelievably excited. And I, um, I go to stand in line. I'm the first one there. And these three call me over. They're standing there like, oh, you guys want, you want an autograph? Long story short, I paid for one autograph, not all three. Okay. I paid for just Patrick Eliash's autograph, my favorite player of all time. Oh, I love him. And so I paid for the one autograph and I go to the table and they're like, oh, and Patrick signs it. He says, hi, how are you? And then Scott Niedermeyer looks me dead in the eyes and says, oh, do you want my autograph too? And I looked at him and said, no, it's okay. I, I only pay for one autograph. Walked away. <laughs> what? Yeah. So there's You're my... Wow! So You're to this day, I only have Patrick Eliash's autograph. So th I'm sorry, Scott Niedermeyer. You were also one of my favorite players. However, um, I was... Oh so there's my great story. I, yeah. don't, I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> yeah. So... Wow. Well, I kind of wish I never knew that story. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. The answers for the test. You're like, no, no, I'm going to take it on. <laughs> no, no. If I fail, it's fine. I got <laughs> this. I'm good. Mine is, mine is not an actual athlete. Maybe he might have played. Um, I don't have too many exciting. I have a Tony Romo signed ball, but I never met him. I just, whatever, boring. Uh, I was working in Times Square at a PR firm, and there was a convention for our copiers, for the Atlantic copiers, and they had something going on. And I was like, hey, can I go to this all day, all day thing? I'm like, yes, I can get out of work. And the guest speaker, or I guess the, um, what do you call it? Appearance was Brian Cashman. 
So I got to meet Brian Cashman. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was uh, literally the year after. So it was 2000. So 2010, actually. Yes, because he was wearing the ring. So I got up there. I mean, naturally, we weren't. It's not like we were having like a legit conversation or anything like that. I get up there. He gets a phone call. That was the time that Eric Chavez, right? Was it Eric Chavez? Is that maybe? Yes, potentially. He broke, athletic, broke right? his hand or thumb oh, or yeah. something that season. He literally got the phone call as I was standing next to him. He was like, oh, Chavez just broke whatever. And I was like, okay. oh, sweet. Can I take your <laughs> autograph now? <laughs> I got a picture with him. I got, I got our father one, brother. I, um, that's yep. the basement. Yep, it says to Paul, Brian Cashman. And then I got, yeah, his autograph picture. So that was pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. Everybody has better stories than me. Great. <laughs> if, we had more, if we had more time, I can get into a story where I jumped out of a moving car to get John McClane's autograph, but oh, that'll be next I'll time. Save that for, that next time. Yeah, I'll save that for, I'll save that for another day. Sounds I would love to hear about that. So for all you fantasy fam listeners out there, you can find us at thefantasyfam.com or on Twitter at the fantasy fam. Our podcast is located on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, TuneIn, radio public, and Spotify. That's a lot of places. Find us almost everywhere. Almost everywhere. Almost everywhere. (laughs) The most important ones. Everything's important. (laughs) True. So we're going to talk about 2018 today. And I loved 2018. I thought it was an incredible season. Some ridiculous games. Amazing performances. Obviously, I wasn't that happy that the Patriots won it again. But, I mean, on some level, we got to give credit to Billy B. You know, he did learn it all from when he was coaching under the other Billy, coaching the greatest player of all time on defense, LT. I said it. True. Right? True. So before we get into a couple things that we learned more from a fantasy perspective, I'm going to turn it over to you guys and tell me what you loved about 2018. Uh, so I guess when you break down 2018 as a whole, you obviously have to look at the stats and how certain players, obviously there's there's basically their stats and how they did and where they were drafted as far as a fantasy, you know, perspective goes. So to start it off, I mean, there were two quarterbacks that went over 5,000 yards, which is absolutely absurd. It never, that, I mean, it, it happens probably, but not as much as you would think. Um, Maybe one. Right. If, if at all, uh, it probably did happen, but Patrick Mahomes um, and Big Ben who were both, Definitely drafted outside the top 10, and Mahomes obviously finished the number one quarterback, and Big Ben finished, I think, top five, depending on your league. Yeah, he's number four, uh, I think. Un- unreal. So obviously you got to steal in both of those. But another uh, interesting fact is that 10 quarterbacks went over 4,000 yards. So as you can see, this is becoming – and the next stat we're about to throw out too, it's, this is becoming a more – pass heavy NFL right now it is obviously teams are running the ball but that's 12 quarterbacks with over 4,000 yards that's insane absolutely insane and that's leaving out somebody like Drew Brees who threw for like 39 something 39.75 and he had one of the best seasons like productivity wise of any quarterback exactly ever Ever. he broke his previous record of completion percentage yeah (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I understand that, like, for me, um, like, Patrick Mahomes in general this year was absolutely incredible. Um, but my thinking is, 
it's kind of going to go along with what I learned from this year. And that'll be something we talk about a little bit later is, but there was nine running backs that went over a thousand yards. Wow. Okay. Only nine. Granted, there have been seasons I remember where it was only six, seven running backs and one of them was Latavius Murray. So that's embarrassing in itself. <laughs> but, um, but this year there was nine running backs that went over a thousand yards on the ground. And the, what I want to focus more on is the fact that there was 20 wide receivers or tight ends. We're going to group them together, group them together. There was 20 wide receivers and tight ends that went over a thousand yards. That is double the amount of running backs. And that further cements the concept that you can find a wide receiver later on that can get you yards, can get you touchdowns, can get you receptions. But finding a bell cow running back is of the utmost importance and very hard to do because of those nine uh, running backs that uh, went over a thousand yards, only three of them or one, two, three, four, yeah, four of them were basically outside of the first two rounds of your draft. Okay. So that's big. <laughs> yeah. One of them was undrafted. Well, Philip Lindsay. Yeah. Because... Well, <laughs> they wouldn't even know he's going to be the starter. And one of them was thirty. <laughs> one of them was thirty-three years old in Adrian Peterson, or thirty-four years old in Adrian. <sighs> Who can still do it? So my my big thing from this, you know, my big thing from just looking purely at the stats, looking at the you know how twenty eighteen finished, is the fact that wide receivers are just plentiful. I mean, we could go down the list if we wanted to of all the players that went over, um, you know, a thousand yards, and there was. Oh, there was nine players with 10 plus receiving touchdowns. Oh. Um, this is just in. I don't know if you guys have looked at your phones at all, but Odell Beckham was just traded to the Cleveland Browns. You're you're joking. Wait, this, what? It is all over Twitter. I do not know if it's true, but <laughs> for the what? Browns have traded <laughs> for one. Tell me for what at least. Is it like a pot of gold? Is this like my talks like magic beans when he gave away the cow? I oh do. my god. So I this this very rarely happens whenever we record an episode. Obviously I I, I don't even <laughs> I don't <laughs> This is a real live this? reaction. How do we handle this? Live I don't even know what to say because it's okay. not updating. It's not on so updating Bruno. That means it's not true. This but is twenty nineteen now. We are in March of twenty nineteen. So Mike Garofalo. Pretty reliable Mike Ralfo is a very reliable source. Pretty reliable source. And um, he's the one that is tweeting it. Ian Rappaport. Oh, my Lord. Wow. Three first round picks, maybe, and Jarvis Landry and Nick Chubb. No, no, they're pairing. They're pairing Jarvis Landry with Odell Beckham. Of course. They're like best yeah. pals, too. Oh, yeah. They went to college together, and they're going to finish their careers at this point, probably together. Yep, he's not going to look that good in like an all orange jersey. On, yeah, but the Browns are going to look. The Browns are going to look fantastic going thirteen and three. Oh, it's true. I'm getting texts. My phone's blowing up. Yep. <laughs> oh, my, I, oh someone just texted me and said OBJ. That's it. So. Oh God. Um, glad I got a nice red jersey in the closet. I'm going to go. <laughs> okay. Well, with that being said, <laughs> wait. Can we just? Can we just before we move on to the Jarvis Landry? I just want to repeat this. OBJ the Browns' starting offense. After after he comes back from suspension, which he might not even this season because he deserves to be suspended. If, the if they season. don't win at all. But Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Antonio Callaway, David Njoku, a top 15 offensive line, and a fantastic defense. My Lord. Holy hell. Okay. Anyway. And the defense is actually pretty solid, too. They oh, just got absolutely. Olivier hey. Vernon, oh my God! And the fact is, is that after that Olivier Vernon trade, but by the way, this isn't any, we're not supposed to be talking about news right now. But you know what? This is worth it. Um, this is totally worth it. Olivier <laughs> Vernon, was, that whole trade with <laughs> with Olivier Vernon was technically supposed to include Odell Beckham with Zeitler. It wasn't supposed to include uh, Olivier Vernon. So no one thought this was actually going to happen. <laughs> they they predicted other landing spots, but 
they expected when they traded with Cleveland, it was just going to be the end of it. That was the trade, Zeitler for Vernon, which was I'm, a ridiculous trade. I'm to begin freaking with, but, out right now. This I'm is seeing what they got. Awesome. And, um, I mean, Jabril Peppers went to Michigan. I love him, but they all got we Jabril got, Peppers? All we got was a first-round pick, number 17 overall this year, the Browns' second, third-round pick. Okay. And Jabril Peppers. That's not a lot. A first, a third, and Jabril Peppers. It's not that much. A box safety who had one good year so far, who I like, but one good year so far. Yeah, he's a good athlete. It's going to be his third just, year. It's going to be his third year. Where he's... Remember, you also had his contract. And this this purely yeah. goes back to – we are completely diverting from this whatever. Um, this purely goes back to the fact that the Giants management did not provide them with a quarterback of the future, and you wasted the talent of all of the young guys on their roster. This is what happens. This is inefficiency at its finest. This isn't on Gettleman. This is on the previous regime. But Gettleman paid him last year. I understand, first, but he's worth the money. First round, third round, and Jabril. Holy crap, Adam Schefter. So it that's is. It. That's it. That's, that's it. it. That's it. Gettleman. That's disgusting. Gettleman. So should we just end it? Let's just end it now. Let's just end the episode now. Oh, my God. That is, <laughs> that is terrible. This is uh, it's going to be tough to go on, uh, folks, with the, re- <laughs> with the rest of this episode. But I'll uh, I'll try and try and hold it together you know, for, so for you this, guys. We're a fam. We're a fam. Mean that they're going to be trading up or they I can mean, do whatever point, they want. Trade everybody at this they point. Can do whatever they want. No, the Browns. The Browns can do whatever oh, no, they the want. No, no, I'm saying the Giants. I mean, what are the Giants? You got like you you have to get a quarterback now, and you also need no. another wide receiver. They're not going to take a quarterback. They are just not going to take Dwayne Haskins. They are not going to take a quarterback. Just. Okay, so a anyway. big digression. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so this year, all I can tell you is that based on what we saw, we saw some tremendous games. We saw the Rams and the Saints. We saw the Rams and the Chiefs. We saw big uh, big points put up. Great, uh, great Great play by quarterbacks, great play by wide receivers. And we saw the emergence of some amazing um, running back, uh, you know, situations with Saquon Barkley um with Nick Chubb so it's you know it was a really it really was a great year of fantasy football from that perspective from a scoring perspective and from a wins perspective I can't say the same but um from a you know from the year that we saw offensively especially it was pretty awesome it was a great year it was a fun year yeah it was Mm -hmm. fantastic it was fantastic I think that um that dovetails um, really well into, I think one of the topics too, which is the most important every year, obviously you need to kind of have to review what you did, your strategies, teams, coaches, players, what worked for you, what didn't work for you. Obviously the draft is coming up, right? So we're going to have, have a bunch of uh, conversations and review around, around players and fits. Um, something that I learned last year, which I mean, we all know, but I think I got a couple, couple key points to highlight that coaching and scheme are incredibly important. Obviously, opportunity is king in fantasy football. We all know that, but you can draft some some insane values, some some steals, based on what team they're on, who's the coach, what kind of offense they run. Who I'm going to talk about here right now? Prime example: Coach of the Year of the Chicago Bears, Swaggy Nagy. Swaggy. Under Andy Reid, who obviously they have a crazy innovative offense in Kansas City, which he's worked with most of his career. Right? He's the mastermind of the RPO. He gets maximum contribution out of his top spark athletes. They do this out of different formations, personnel groups. They're very unpredictable. I mean, I think personally, I mean, I played football way back in the day, obviously, you know, in a former life um, when I could, you know, stand up straight, two legs, all that good stuff. Keep the defense on their heels so they either can't read the play based on formation. Thank you, Tony Romo, you know, for giving it away. He did a great job. I got to give it to him. 
Um, and what might, might be the most important, which I think goes back to the RPO, that you're giving the quarterback a chance to, to read, to make a decision quickly with, with options that he can throw the ball quickly, hand the ball off, run, whatever, right? So let me, let me break this down for you, some, some accomplishments. Tariq Cohen, love him. I have him on Dynasty. His ADP last year, are you guys ready for this? It was around 90th overall. He was the 34th running back taken. Is that good? Gross. He finished, he finished 12th in PPR. Gross. That's unlimited touches, too. I was going to say, if they actually fully used him, he could have been, like, at least top seven. Well, he's not a, he's not a bell cow, so that's just the thing. Mm-hmm. But even as a complimentary back, he's still a top 12 to 15 running back. Oh, okay. without a doubt. That's crazy. If he's your second running back or your flex even, and now obviously with the rumors, like, I mean, anybody could get traded at this point. Jordan Howard, we don't know what's going to happen there. They did just pick up Mike Davis, so he could be potential first down, second down back, or maybe he could even spell Cohen. Who knows? Nagy knows what he's doing. Mitchell, the truth, Trubitsky. All right, here's some some crazy stats for all you you Boston fans, if, if you're listening. He finished 14th in most leagues. He was one ahead of Tom Brady. In most leagues, he wasn't even drafted. This is a stat that that blew my mind. From from weeks four through ten, he averaged the most weekly points of any quarterback in the NFL. Fantasy points. From weeks four through ten. I thought that was ridiculous. Like I said, ahead of Tom Brady, who was I think he was picked third overall, usually third or fourth in most in most drafts. So to me, this goes back to Swaggy Nagy and his coaching. And it shows that you can wait on a quarterback because Trubisky finished 14th. I mean, you don't the, – the point differential from, from 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, it's so minuscule that you could absolutely wait. So that's a position that I will wait for. Um, quickly to highlight something crazy, too, that I do every year, like what you guys were talking about before with the running backs and the receivers, it's, it's always about conviction. Yes, it is. Always about conviction. You always want to try and get the most value you can. I know you guys love that. I mean, that's the whole point, right? But if there's a player there that might not be there in the next round, two rounds, three rounds, I mean, I'm going to reach for him. I'm always going to reach for him. Always. Every day of the week. Yeah, I like it. That's good. I mean, the Bears, they are – they're going to be a force to reckon with. I mean – Yeah, they are, unfortunately. They really have built um, a fantastic team on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. From a fantasy perspective, though, it's – it's all – it all hinges, though, on Mitch Trubisky. Oh, without a doubt. Personally, that's what I believe, is that that offense needs to run through Trubisky. And if Trubisky's playing well, like he did for weeks four through ten, like he said, yep. he's putting up unbelievable numbers. Um, so I completely agree with you there. My, uh, my, my biggest takeaway from, from this past year is kind of draft-related, kind of um, related to position. Um, and both of them are kind of, I will use the word scarcity. Both of them to me have such scarcity to them that it's about capital. And what I mean is that if we start first with the most important position, in my opinion, in fantasy football, and that's the running back position. Like I said before, the running back position only had nine players over a thousand yards. And while the wide receivers and tight ends, we saw 20 over a thousand yards. And my biggest thing that I learned from this past year, it's something I've said over and over again, but this year rang true more than most, is the fact that a bell cow is the most necessary thing you can have on your fantasy team. A bell cow 
running back, a guy who's going to get the ball 25 times a game, who's going to get you four or five receptions a game, who's going to get you that touchdown every game, is where you need to be. Um, because honestly, if you look at the top 10 running backs who finished this past season, those first seven, if you look at their week-to-week scoring, you see the 20s, you see the 30s, point-wise, on a consistent basis each and every single week. They're you all can broken. rely on them. You can rely on them to get you 25 points every single game. Yes, you're going to see sevens from Alvin Kamara every once in a while when, you know, when Mark Ingram ran in for two touchdowns, okay? You're going to see Kirsten McCaffrey falter here and there because he's got, got the ball so freaking much for those first 10 weeks of the season. Yeah, yeah. I'm not denying that. But my point is, is if you want to win each and every week, you have to have a bell cow. If you want to win, you have a better chance of winning, you want to have two bell cows, okay? I'm not saying you need to go running back, running back. What I'm saying is you need to you need to draft running backs early and often that are going to get the ball 25 to 30 times a game, okay? It, it's it's purely in the pudding. I mean, literally, if it's you- read, It's read, the stats don't lie. It's right there. The stats do not lie. <laughs> if, you look, if you look for those top seven running backs, Todd Gurley, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara- uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Zeke, James Potter, yeah. and Melvin Gordon. Those right there. If you look at just those running backs right there, each and every week that they were not injured, okay, because there was plenty of injuries between Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon. They don't even have a compliment. <laughs> like, if you look purely at those running backs, all you see is 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. That's all you see. You do not see single digits, okay? James White, yes, he faltered at the end of the year. However, that top seven, that, that's why you'll see next year, you're going to see those first 10 picks are probably all going to be running backs except maybe one. And I'm yeah. firmly behind that. I, I am. I am firmly behind drafting a running back first and maybe second. Uh, second, a little bit less passionate about. It's actually kind of the inverse. My, my, the inverse of that is the tight end position. The tight end position has such scarcity, and there's two sides to it. There is the side you can wait on, and there is the side you can just draft early on. Okay, the side you can draft early on is Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey finished number one at his position. Okay, he put up um, he he put up 163 more fantasy points than the number 12 tight end. Okay, wow. that was Jimmy Graham. Okay, he put up 163 more points. Yet they were drafted 30 spots apart in the draft. You can reach for Kelsey. That's what you're saying. What I'm saying is that you might as well. No, what I'm saying is that not so much you have to reach for Kelsey. Yeah. What I'm saying is there are two sides to the argument. There is the side that says, well, the 12th tight end was Jimmy Graham, who finished 165 points less than Travis Kelsey. So what's the point of taking him there? The, what you can say 165 is, points. That's what the reason. Yeah, well, well, the, no, no. I'm not saying Jimmy, saying Jimmy Graham. What's the point of taking Jimmy Graham in the oh, fifth, yeah, yeah. fourth or fifth round when you know Travis Kelsey went in the second or third round? So there's two sides to it. What I learned is that if you want a top-tier tight end, you got to take him gotta in the second, third round. You got to take George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, um, and Zach Ertz. That's okay? it. That's that's it. And if you want them, you're going to have to take them early. Otherwise, what I learned is that don't even draft a tight end. No, like literally let it go. Allows it, if your league allows it, do not draft a tight end. Let him go to the final round or don't draft him at all. Pick him up off waiver wires because you know what? You're wasting a pick on him. Okay. You who's are absolutely a, wasting your pick. Who's the number five tight end? Jared Cook. The number five tight end in fantasy was Jared Cook. Did people Jared even had draft him? He, he actually had a very good year. Yeah, he he did. did, though. I'm just saying, though. But, but like, yeah. The difference in, if you're looking at the difference in points between them, it's, oh, it's, un- so, it's, big. it's unbelievable. Because okay? Austin Hooper, I think, is the next one. And he's like right. 100 points below Travis Kelsey. But you know what's even crazier 
is if you go to difference between the number 12 tight end and the number 24 tight end. So you're, you know, from the final number one tight end. Oh, and you're like single digit. Tight end, you're fi- it's only 50 point difference. Oh. It's Ian Thomas. Ian Thomas didn't even play for half the year. Oh, he didn't at all. If he would have played a full year, well, I like him next year. But There was a 50 point difference between the two of them. And that is a difference between tight end one and a tight end two. But that tight end one, number 12, literally is irrelevant if you're looking at the top the top end of the tight end one. there's only so many tight end ones <laughs> there's four there there's, are four tight end ones basically and then everyone else is just a tight end <laughs> yeah so those are my big things i took away from this this year is the fact that running back is the most integral part and it's about getting your bell cow and tight end you can wait on till the cows come home honestly. or take it early or take it early right yeah <laughs> i mean exactly. either way a big thing that I noticed, I asked a lot of our followers to uh, to post their teams, championship teams that they won with. Um, and I kind of, I looked through them. I had about, there was like 10 teams, I think, that everyone forwarded. You know, thank you to everyone out there that forwarded. Um, but they also said on, I think, like ESPN, CBS, that basically if you want, like most teams had McCaffrey, Patrick Mahomes. Naturally, you drafted McCaffrey probably second round, maybe early second or late first, depending on your league, if you wanted to reach for him. Mahomes, the biggest steal of the entire draft, maybe of fantasy football ever for where he finished and how many points he finished. But the point that I'm trying to make is also that a, a lot of these championship teams that I saw, like I saw one team that had Watson, Zeke, Chris Carson, Baldwin, Devonta Adams, Cameron Brait, Stefan Diggs, Calvin Ridley. Like, that is a very well overall team, like, drafted. Most of those guys he probably drafted. Chris Carson may have picked him up. But the, the, the point that I'm getting at is that a lot of the other teams that I looked at is they had Jamal Williams, Damian Williams, Doug Martin, Robbie Anderson. Who the hell are these guys? None of these guys were drafted. So – you, you, you draft a well enough team to keep you through the season. So if you have someone like Todd Gurley, James Conner, if those were your two running backs, I mean, straight up, you were fucked. Because like, that's a lot of points you were losing. Right. I mean, oh, play, you're right. so playing the waiver towards the end of the season, obviously you have to play it throughout the whole season. If you're just fortunate enough to have a team that you just don't need to, then God, God bless you. Like, that's, that's fantastic. That is a rarity. But – playing the waiver and still having enough also like with your, with your fob budget is very clutch so that you can pick up a Jamal Williams or a Damian Williams who absolutely dominated towards the end of the season and helped you. Cause a lot of the people's benches, they had Todd Gurley, they had James Connor. So I think playing the waiver towards the end of the season as well um, is it, it just, it's so clutch. Obviously it's, it's, I mean, it's, it sounds like I'm just repeating something that you guys already know, but like you kind of, it's, it's gotta be reiterated. Stress well, it. Yeah, we, stress it. Yeah. We've talked about this. The fact that, you know, you, you can't win your league at the draft. Those guys can get you to seven and zero, eight and zero, whatever you want to do. And if you, you do, win. then oh, wow. Great team. No one, nobody <laughs> wins. Nobody wins at the draft. They win by playing the waiver wire. And so, later in the season too is where, yeah players go down they they their teams are 14 in, in one they don't need to play anymore things like that you know I get it. another another point that i wanted to make out just about a player in general um is adam thielen adam thielen probably should have finished with like three thousand yards 
I mean, on the pace he was going, it was absolutely ridiculous. Whoever traded him in like week eight was an absolute genius. So that's, that's another thing. I'm not saying Kirk, Kirk Cousins, we have no idea what the hell he's going to do in Minnesota. But Adam, like the sustainability, I guess is the word, is a very good word that it, it's almost like you kind of saw like, all right, okay, he's going to have one bad game. And then he had another one and then another one. And then it was like a trickle down effect where he just didn't do anything at all towards the end of the season, really what you were expecting him to do. And so it's, so it's looking at the players and seeing like, obviously Julio Jones, I feel like Julio Jones, I mean, he's just an anomaly. He's going to get over a hundred and now he's scoring touchdowns, which is (laughs) very scary. (laughs) Oh God. I love him. But uh, the sustainability and looking at the trends and then potential defenses and everything. So Adam Thielen, I'm taking as a big example of someone to potentially, obviously if you pushed him last year as a trading, good for you, but be wary of that. Well, yeah, it's also about, it's also about the fact that nobody's off limits. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, whether you're trading, whether you're, you know, dropping, nobody's really off limits. So Adam Thielen proved that is saying, you know, he's been my star wide receiver for the first, you know, seven, eight weeks of the season. And now I think he's going to take a turn or now I need a, a running back to replace him with, you know, that's a good thing to, that's a good, actually, that's a really good point. It's the fact that you're about winning. It's not about your loyalty to a player. It's about winning each and every week. Exactly. So, so I like that one. That's a good one. From weeks nine through 15, gentlemen, Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen was the 27th receiver. <laughs> wow. And Julio Jones, number one, Amari Cooper too. Yeah, yeah. The first eight weeks of the season, Adam Thielen was the number one wide receiver. By far. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of interesting how that works. That's why I said wide receiver is the biggest, you know, it's the biggest field to work with. I mean, Adam Thielen was once on the practice squad. I mean, and the fact is, is he was the number one wide receiver the first eight weeks of the season. That's, you know, that drives home my point is the fact that you can't find that on running backs. You physically can't. Yes, Mike Davis it's got a good very, contract with Chicago, tough, but yeah. it's very difficult to find a guy who was once on practice squad who now becomes a star running back. It's much easier to find someone like Eddie Lacy, who was once a star running back. Who oh, is no longer. Fat Eddie. It's much easier to find those things. I miss Our him. Receivers, <laughs> fat Eddie. Cheeseburger Eddie. Cheeseburger, Cheeseburger Eddie. Eddie, yeah. Cheeseburger Eddie. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, though, because it's like – identifying those trends when it's like just quantitative in itself is extremely difficult, but the fact that it's a human being and I mean, who knows to, to trade them, you know what I'm saying? So it's like to all your points, you can't fall in love with the guy. You gotta, you gotta look to him. Yeah, that's your, that's who, who would have thought to trade him, but even if obviously after that first bad game, it was kind of like, maybe you can get someone and be like, Oh crap, maybe I should move him and see right. what I can get, you know? Yeah. There's so, a, there's a happy medium between stats and observations like watching the physical games you so, can't fall in love with either of them they don't tell the whole picture either one of them so just like gordon gecko told bud fox you can't get emotional about stock bud yeah i mean yeah that's kind of relevant yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like gambling it's exactly what it is just apply that to apply that to fantasy football and you know fantasy your, your love gambling. affair for the player that honestly yeah you can't you really can't get emotional but i mean no. we're victims of it brother i won't well, draft a giant or a red sock Red, no you know what sure. I mean? Like no Red Sox, no Red Sox. Like I'm not gonna do it. I can't root for them. I'll, fi- I'll find ways to win without that. If there's know. a lot of money involved, uh, maybe <laughs> we'll discuss. Yeah, yeah right? I don't think <laughs> about it's it. Up for, it's up for a possibility. But I think it's a good theme for this episode. Looking back before we look ahead, right? Obviously, we're right. recapping 2018 before we talk about 2019. Yeah. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. 
You can find us at thefantasyfam.com or on Twitter at thefantasyfam. Our podcast is located on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Radio Public, and Spotify. And if you have any questions, you want to send us an email, it's thefantasyfam at gmail.com. This is the Fantasy Fam signing off. 